This is the second week of our new sermon series, Why Did You Say That Jesus? We had joked last week that we might subtitle the sermon series, Don't Get Mad at Us, the Pastors, Jesus is the One Who Said It. The idea behind this is that we are confronted with some of the more difficult things that Jesus has to say in Scripture, uh, believing that uh, through uh, the challenge received, through these difficult words coming out of the mouth of the one that we call Savior, uh, we may go about uh, living out the gospel in different sorts of ways. So with that said, again, don't get mad at me. Jesus said it. Hear now these words from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, as we hear these challenging words this morning, we may find ourselves a little uneasy. We pray, God, that you give us the the clarity that we need and the patience that we need to be able to see the ways in which these tough words may actually be life-giving words after all. May your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love, grace, kindness, Mercy, hope, renewal, forgiveness, heaven, joy, peace. Chances are when you hear these words, few of them, if any, have any bad feelings associated with them. You hear words such as these and they, they kind of put you at ease. Good words. Easy words. And chances are when you hear these words, you associate these words with the gospel, right? These are some good gospel words. Love and hope and renewal and charity and heaven and joy and forgiveness and peace. Good gospel words. Many of us are actually drawn to the gospel because of words such as these. 
Many of us associate these words with the gospel. Many of us came into the faith because of our association that we have with these words in the gospel itself. Each week, uh, we sing songs and we pray prayers uh, that have these types of words in them. Week in and week out, we know about these words in the church. And this word association with the gospel does, in fact, make the gospel more appealing, right? It's much more appealing with words like love and hope and joy and peace. And God is okay with that. God wants the gospel associated with love and hope and joy and peace and all of those other uh, good words. Because at the end of the day, how could you not love the gospel with commodities such as love, hope, joy, and peace? It It would be like not liking the sight of a puppy or a kitten. You all know somebody, it, it, may, be even, it may even be you who, who finds it irresistible to want to go meet a puppy or a kitty when you see it. You know who you are. I live with a few of them. It's like they've never seen a dog before. Oh, look at the dog! It's a puppy! It doesn't matter where you are, walking on the beach, downtown, on a walking trail, or even in the car. Look at the puppy! I want to meet the puppy! Can we pet the puppy? Every time. How could you hate or deny the gospel if it's all just puppy dog kisses and kitty cat noses? But then you show up, and instead of using those puppy dog words, Jesus starts saying words like sword. Against, foes, not worthy, lose life. We hear these words, and they don't make us feel so good. These words from Jesus, they they do not put us at ease. I mean, Jesus literally says that he has come to put family member against family member. Jesus literally says that, that he has come to pit you against your own. Violently. That's the gospel? That's... That's good news? Why'd you say that, Jesus? Could you imagine us coming into worship and instead of singing a song such as where charity and love prevail, we sing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, draw my sword against my family and I shall prevail? (laughs) Or instead of amazing grace, amazing destruction. Or amazing disruption. These words here, this is, this is not puppy and kitty gospel. This is like wanting to pet a rattlesnake. But here's the thing. 
It is the gospel. It's challenging, it's, it's tough, it's disruptive, but it is undeniably the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we have a hard time seeing how this is good news, then perhaps we've been petting too many puppies and not spending enough time in the snake pit. Or perhaps, more likely, we have been snuggling up with a few puppies who are actually snakes. And I'm not necessarily talking about your ex. That one always gets a laugh. I'm talking about the things that you actually think are giving you life, but are actually causing you to lose it. I'm talking about the things that you actually think are giving you life, but are actually causing you to lose it. You see, out of all the shocking things that that Jesus says here in these, these six verses in Matthew, out of all the shocking things he says about swords instead of peace and family against family and taking up crosses, the, the, the one thing that, that has always troubled me the most is the last verse. The last verse that I read, verse 39. Those who find their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Those who find their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. You know, I've read a a version of that passage of Scripture at each and every funeral that that I've presided over, and it has always baffled me. How do you find life by losing it? Answer that question, and, and perhaps we are then able to see how all the other shocking things that Jesus says here are good news. I think of Millard Fuller. Some of you may be familiar with Millard Fuller. Millard made millions and millions of dollars back in the 60s. And you know, millions of dollars back in the 60s, well, he was quite a wealthy man. Millard talked about how he and his family had all that you could ever dream of having. They had a house, a very nice house, a maid to take care of the house. They had a jet boat. They had all these wonderful things in life. But Miller said because of the demands on his time, the one thing that his family did not have was a husband and a father. And so in response to that reality, he and his wife made a decision. They decided to give away everything. Not just some of it, all of it. He and his family became poor for the sake of becoming rich. So they went and they shacked up on this farm with this preacher by the name of Clarence Jordan. They went and shacked up with Clarence Jordan in Georgia. And eventually they started a mission there. A mission where they built houses for their neighbors. After some time passed, Millard's little house-building mission became known as Habitat for Humanity. Perhaps you've heard of it. When he died, Millard's friends and family said that nobody ever died a richer man than Millard Fuller. 
Miller Fuller who had no money. What was it that Jesus said again? <laughs> Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. What are you looking for? What are you trying to find? Is it life? Where will you find it? Or where shall you lose it? The power of the gospel is always best revealed through the tough words. One more time for those of you in the back. The power of the gospel is always best revealed through the tough words. There is, after all, a cross. There is no gospel without tough words. And there is no gospel without a cross. Where the real gospel is present, there will be disruption. Where the real gospel is present, relationships will be put to the test. Where the real gospel is present, what is perceived as peace will be challenged. Where the real gospel is, there is a power to divide just as quickly as it will unite. Where the real gospel is present, with the earth-shattering and tomb-busting power that it carries, dead things live. Dead things live in words like love and grace and kindness and mercy and hope and renewal and forgiveness, charity, heaven, joy, and peace. Those words, they take on a whole new meaning. They take on a whole new meaning only because they are interpreted through an action that God took that was much tougher than anything that he could ever say. Let us pray. God, We're almost scared to ask. But your gospel seems to demand that you continue to challenge us so that the words that we love can continue to take on a deeper and richer meaning. Jesus' name we pray.
the church says, Amen.